This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. As I have been reading Torah the last two weeks, reading through this narrative of the exodus from Egypt, reading about these horrific plagues that have struck down the Egyptian people so that the Israelites might ultimately find their way toward freedom, it has occurred to me that literally any one of these plagues could have been the one. Any one of these plagues could have been enough to convince Pharaoh and the people of Mitzrayim that it was time to let the people go. Some of them, though, barely even elicited any response from Pharaoh. The blood in the Nile, for example. You might have expected that the blood in the Nile would have been a transformative plague. This is the life force of the empire. And literally all of the sea life in Egypt was dead, washed upon the shore. And yet this plague had almost no impact at all because Pharaoh's heart, we learn, was strong and he was unmoved. That's not the only one that barely shook him at all. The lice, the animal epidemic, the boils. At least four of our plagues barely shook him at all out of his complacency. But some of them hit. Some of them hit, and they, and they hit hard. The frogs, for example, strangely, unbearably annoying, croaking all through the night until the people thought they were going to lose their minds, and then entering into the homes, in every bedroom, in every bed, here and there and everywhere, even in his underwear, until they actually climbed, say, the rabbis into the people's nostrils and their mouths and their ears, and our strong-willed villain finally conceded, and he said, fine, so go. Just get out of here. Go worship God for three days if that's what you want. The wild beasts trouncing through towns and villages, destroying absolutely everything in their wake, leading Pharaoh to capitulate to nearly all of Moses' demands. The hail terrifying the people. It says that the people of Egypt were worried when the, the fire and the hail started to come that they were the next Sodom and Gomorrah, that they were going to burn just like those two ancient cities burned the locust infestation, blanketing the earth, a kind of death for Egypt that actually led Pharaoh to say, I have made a terrible mistake. Please forgive me. The darkness, which Pharaoh says, go, just go and serve God. There, there's an 18th century Moroccan rabbi called Ora Chaim, Rabbi Chaim Ibn Attar, who points out that there is actually a method to Pharaoh's madness that Pharaoh, when he feels his own life is threatened, will relent. Otherwise, he remains stubborn and unrepentant. But even still, even in the moments where he does relent, there's a pattern here. The frogs die, the hail ends, the locusts are swept away by the wind, and Pharaoh, immediately after the threat is dissipated, as soon as he sees that there's relief, 
that's when he grows stubborn. And again and again, as soon as the pain point is muted, even temporarily, he stubbornly reverts to where he was before. And the people remain enslaved and the cruelties grow and the indignities persist. You know, stubbornness is an inherited trait. And during my sabbatical, I was able to do some genealogical research and it turns out that Browses have stubbornness on both sides of our family tree. So I know quite a bit about stubbornness. And I believe that stubbornness is not always a negative quality, that sometimes we have to be strong-hearted. We actually have to cultivate stubbornness, a stubborn insistence on doing what's just and right. Sometimes stubbornness is righteous and a sign of moral character. But surely we, the observers, can see the damage that was wrought by Pharaoh's stubbornness here. We who know how this story ends can see all of the needless suffering that results from his insistence on staying the course, even after for a moment his heart was cracked open, staying the course of enslavement and deprivation, staying the course of violence and callousness. This year, I'm struck not by the theology of Pharaoh's heart hardening, but by the tragedy of it. What I see is a pain point that has reached in Egyptian society, a pain point that is so profound. This is a society that is suffering. I see a temporary awakening. It's just too unbearable. It's just too much. Something must change. And we who understand history know that in every struggle for freedom, in every struggle for justice, there is a turning point, a tipping point. Maybe this will be the moment that changes absolutely everything, that Egypt finally ends its cruelty. The Israelites are embraced as fellow strivers, as free people. But then again and again and again, almost immediately, Pharaoh reverts to the hard-hearted tyrant that he's always been. We'll just stay the course, he says, as if there's simply no other way. And that, I think, is the greatest tragedy. The moment that everything could have changed and then didn't. The moment that the people now finally awake decide to go back to sleep. We are Pharaoh. Again and again and again in this country, the pain level rises. For a moment, we proclaim it is unbearable. We can do better. We must do better. But then just as quickly, the news cycle shifts and we change our minds and we fall back on the comfortable patterns and we fail to take the necessary steps that are required in order to course correct, to dismantle the unjust systems, to take the hard but necessary steps to reshape our reality. You know, history is multi-directional. There's progress, the desire to move us forward. There's regress, ascendant in our country, and this time the desire to move us backward. And there's stasis. And I think very often we believe that regress is the most dangerous. But Pharaoh is now a victim of stasis. He just wants to keep things the way that they are. And in some ways that might be equally dangerous to the regressive pullback to some mythical 
fantastical future that never existed. Pharaoh must have known at some point that the jig is up. He must have known that God is on the side of this people. He must have recognized that his empire rests on the foundation of a stolen beam. His position is defenseless. He must have been able to see that the arc of the moral universe was bending, and it was bending toward justice. He should have cut his losses. If not joined the Israelites in a shared redemptive future, then at least saved his dignity, saved his people, saved his land, but he doesn't. Instead, he doubles down and returns to the default position, exploitation and enslavement callousness and cruelty as if no other option exists. Tunnel vision, stay the course, shut down your imagination. Don't think about what could be. Think only about what is. I want us to recognize how paralyzingly intoxicating the status quo was and is, and how hard it is to break free from the sense that nothing can ever change. This persists, as Lucy said, until the 10th and final plague, Makat Bechorot, which brought so much suffering, so much heartache, touched Pharaoh so personally, right? That he finally can't bear it anymore. I remember a couple years after Sandy Hook when a political commentator wrote, in retrospect, Sandy Hook marked the end of the U.S. gun control debate. Once America decided that killing children was bearable, it was over. The massacre of 20 children and six adults, we thought that was going to be the tipping point. We thought that was going to be the one that would change everything. But of course, it did not. Maybe we thought that the murder of George Floyd before all of our eyes, maybe we thought that would be the 10th plague. The moment in which we would recognize after watching for nine minutes and 29 seconds in absolute horror as the life was ripped from a person, unarmed and defenseless, maybe we thought this will be the last time we see an unarmed black man being murdered by police while crying out for his mother. But it was not. And I have to tell you part of the tragedy of the story that's unfolding in Memphis right now is that I read this morning that one of the friends of Tyre Nichols said that in some ways his desire to change the system, to, to make it possible for black lives to really matter in America, led him to think about joining the police force himself because he said, maybe I can make change from the inside. And it occurs to me, and I'm sure it occurred to many of you when you read that, that that might have been a driving force for one of the men that murdered him too. Try to get into the inside so you can change things. But of course, we keep falling back asleep after all of these tipping points. Like Pharaoh, as a society, we have learned to harden our hearts, to revert, to cede our imagination to a different future, to the irresistible allure of a deeply flawed present. We're like Pharaoh, but we're also unlike him because here, even the 10th plague can happen again and again and again, and we are so stubbornly adhering to the status quo that we never cease to return to quiet acceptance of the status quo. With Dahlia Lithwick last week, we had such a beautiful conversation here at ICAR. 
And, and I mentioned this criticism that I'm so compelled by about the way that we report on acts of mass violence in this country, whether in Monterey Park this last week or Half Moon Bay or in Oakland. For a moment, we're shaken from our wakefulness. We're aware of the horror of it. Do you know how many mass shootings have happened in America just in the last three weeks? And then just when we're about to hit the tipping point, we start to bring up all these stories of resiliency and hope and how communities are coming together. And I'm in the hope business and I'm in the resiliency business. And I can see now how that narrative line is destroying us because it lets us stay in the stasis instead of forcing us to contend with what it would mean to move to the progress. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want Pharaoh to be distracted after the locusts and the hail and the wild beasts. What we need to do is to stay outraged, to finally say in one unified voice, Kumu tse'u, get up and go, get up and go. Justice is here, our time has come. The text says that as soon as the frogs were lifted from the Egyptian homes, their bodies started to pile up in heaps and heaps out in the valleys. And Pharaoh immediately reverted, even as the stink of the frogs continued to permeate the Egyptian homes. As soon as the immediate threat was lifted, all of that change was upended and the enslavement persisted. That, I think, is an absolute terror for us because we all know that there's a stink in our country today. There's a stink that is caused by violence. And for one day or for two days, it feels real and we have moral clarity and we understand the urgency. And then we invariably in our stubbornness revert to what is, foregoing what could be. We haven't even removed the stink and the conversations moved on and the wheels of injustice continue to turn and the names of the victims are added to the long, terrible list. There has to be a moment that changes us. There has to be a time when we realize we cannot continue like this. For Pharaoh, it was almost too late. For us, I pray that it won't be. After the violent shootings, these terrible crimes against the Asian American Pacific Islander communities this week, Brooke Orchafter, our director of community organizing, and one of our board members, Eric Green, and I sat down and we started to write. And each time, as we would get one paragraph down on the page, there would be another act of horrible violence. And we ended up writing a long statement, which you'll see someday, about violence. And what we say in this statement is that the moral challenge of our time is to allow our hearts not only to be broken, but to be broken open in response to the violence, open to the belief that we have the power to actually build a different kind of society. The problems in our country are so complicated and they're mutually reinforcing. Ease of gun access, the great moral evil of our time, stands at the heart of this crisis. Unmet mental health issues are part of it. Law enforcement trained to control and contain funded in lieu of community safety programs and responses. An overdose of anger, a deficit of empathy, all of these are part of what's so desperately wrong. All of these need to be addressed in the days ahead. I've shared with you many times what keeps me up at night. Our Jewish tradition teaches us, and I believe, that every person is accompanied at all times by a procession of angels blowing trumpets and proclaiming, make way for an image of the Holy One is approaching. Every person like royalty, infinite 
worth, irreplaceable. And yet again and again, we see the image of the Holy One controlled and contained, humiliated and degraded, incarcerated and incapacitated, shot and killed and beaten before our very eyes. We will not rest until we build a society in which every person is treated as a precious image of God. To do that, we must muster a strength that is greater than the force of stasis that keeps us from finding the courage to move forward. I pray that the memories of those whose lives were taken by violence stir us to work collectively toward a more just and loving world for us all. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission, to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon.